G'day and welcome to On The Road with Mike and Andy, the number one weekly Australian podcast made for Aussie truckies by Aussie truckies. Proudly brought to you by Seeing Machines, the makers of Guardian, the most advanced safety technology available for commercial truck fleets. This week we talk about the important and often overlooked role that women play in road transport when Mike chats with Lyndall Denny, the CEO of Women in Trucking Australia. We continue on with the second part of last week's great interview with Lyndon Watson regarding the use of safety monitoring and interventions in trucks. And by popular demand, we've brought back Aussie country music sensation Jane Denham for an encore. We'll be playing her blockbuster hit that brings the house down at every show she performs. That's a little later in the show, I guarantee you're going to love it. All this plus the latest news and finally, a very G'd up Mike shares his thoughts on racism in the industry and inadequate training for drivers in something to talk about. Yep, it's another Bigger Than Ben-Hur episode this week, so time for me to stick a sock in it and get this show on the road. G'day, I'm Darren. I'm listening to On The Road on the Australian Big Rig Roadshow. G'day, this is Simon Smith here from the Australian Big Rig Radio Roadshow.com. Truck and radio is what we do across Australia 24-7. Loads of truck and classics every hour. If you'd like to drop us a line, love to hear from you at some stage. Our email address, bigrigradio at yahoo.com.au. Catch it down the road and take it steady out there. The Australian Big Rig Radio Roadshow.com. Today we're going to find out a little bit about Women in Trucking Australia. Now I've got with me Lyndall Denny. She is the CEO of Women in Trucking Australia and she really does walk the talk. This lady has driven in the northwest of Western Australia. Now she's an Adelaide-based road train driver. Lyndall is just very passionate about what she's doing. Even though she's got a bit of a head cold today, she's agreed to join us for this short interview. So Lyndall, welcome to the show. Who are you and what do you do? What do you drive? Hi, Mike. I am a road train driver. I have my MC licence and I work regionally out of Adelaide. I did come down from the Pilbara to Adelaide about four years ago now. The time flies, doesn't it? And I worked up there during what was the biggest mining boom in the nation's history. So lots of experience, lots of adventures up in the top end. One thing I noticed very quickly when I became a heavy vehicle driver was how very few women pursue the career and that those women who do try to establish careers in trucking, how difficult it is for them to get a break. Every new driver knows about the industry song, come back when you've got three years experience, which is very difficult when nobody will give you a go to get that experience. Mm. So Women in Trucking Australia was set up to support and advocate for women wishing to establish careers and to help those already out on the road. Well, you've come from the Pilbara, so you'd have to know the Pilbara Heavy Haulage Girls, wouldn't you? Yes, I was instrumental in setting up <laughs> Pilbara Heavy Haulage Girls. I thought but, that you uh, were. Glenn Stirl was up there the other day tearing around in a Mac wearing a pink shirt. Did you know about that? I saw that, yes, doing great work up there with Heather Jones. Yes, I, I had set up the double business plan for that and was able to get a significant amount of royalties for regions funding. And of course, Volvo involvement. 
So that was an exciting part of my journey in trucking as well. These days, we're focusing on women nationally. Currently, I think figures indicate there's about 3% of women driving heavy vehicles nationally. That goes down to 0.02% when they get up into the road train. So clearly, there's a lot of work to be done to encourage more women into trucking careers. Of course, encouraging the women into the trucking careers is certainly a difficult thing, but I know that you're aware that Rose, my partner, and I did Sydney, Perth for three and a half years, and one of the greatest challenges that we faced as a two-up team for her was to find suitable facilities for her to use on the road, and I'm sure you'd echo that sentiment. Absolutely. There are so many issues industry-wide that affect truck drivers, and there are additional layers for women. The girls that get into trucking are quite resilient and they're happy to adapt to the environment that they find themselves in to a point. But we all like to have nice, clean amenities and having those available for women is just as important as having them for the boys. Yeah, and it's one of my abiding passions and one of the things that I've written about to improve facilities on the road for all drivers. It's an important thing and I think that Glenn Stirl's inquiry is going to be looking at that quite closely. The next thing I wanted to ask you about, you did a TV advertisement campaign, didn't you, earlier on? We were successful in securing Commonwealth funding through the NHVR's Heavy Vehicle Safety Initiative for the Round 4 program in 2019. And we produced a series of road safety free TV advertisements fronted by female heavy vehicle drivers. So that was the first time that had ever been done internationally. And it looked at the dire consequences of risky decision-making around heavy vehicles. So the ads went to where and then pointed viewing audiences to our website where there are a number of tips on driving safely around trucks. And we're delighted to have just received funding again for the 2021 round. And just at the moment, we have a nationwide talent search to find three more female heavy vehicle drivers to front those ads. So exciting times for us. It's a fairly confronting campaign, the current one. The next one will actually put motorists behind the wheel of the heavy vehicle so they can have a bird's eye view of the impact of their risky driving behaviour around trucks. So they will go to where middle of next year. That's a great initiative. It's very similar to a lot of the stuff that Rod Hannafy used to do back in the day when he was working for Toll. He used to make safety ads and things like that. Now, there's a man who actually walks the talk. Mm. Rod's done a huge amount of work in the trucking industry around safety. So, yeah, we're proud to be following in his footsteps. Yeah, Rod's done a great job. I've got a lot of time for him. He was a guest on our very first podcast. Oh, was he? So I remember years ago, he attended a road safety day that I held in Ballina and brought his beautiful B-double rig along and talked to the people on the day about driving safely around heavy vehicles. That section of the Pacific Highway was known as the Killing Fields. Yeah. And it was just vital that we had this road safety day and Rod was an integral part of that. So it was wonderful. So the Jobs for the Girls program that you've got, can you tell me a bit about that? Jobs for the Girls is just a new initiative that we've set up on our Facebook page that will allow us to profile women who have their licence but just can't get that foot in the door. Our August Facebook reach exceeded a million people. So there's a lot of people out there watching what we're doing. 
And we just thought in this early stage we could use networking to help, you know, if somebody knows there's a job going somewhere, they can let the girls go through the Facebook page. And we've got women lined up. I'll just continue to put those women's profiles up. They then interact with the people on the Facebook page and hopefully follow that through. We're still dealing with a degree of gender bias from within the industry. Some of it's conscious, most of it's unconscious. And there is a propensity for recruiters to pick people like themselves. So it tends to be a jobs for the boys thing. Hence the reason that we've called this jobs for the girls. Yeah. I don't think anyone's got a problem with it. As you say, I think there's only about 2% of heavy vehicle drivers are, in fact, women. I think there's room for anyone that can actually do the job regardless of which gender you are. So for me, gender's not an issue. Yeah, look, we agree completely. We really cannot do this without the support from you boys because it's a male-dominated sector. It's so wonderful to see on our Facebook page and woven through our membership base the number of men that have stepped up. Mm. It's just they're there ready to help with support and guidance and sharing their experiences. So very important that we have the blokes on board. I think it's very important as well. So put me down for one of those women in Transport Australia polos and I'll buy one off you. Oh, that's wonderful. We might even just be able to send you one, Mike. We'll get that off to you shortly. I'm very happy to see that the Facebook page is going well, that your whole organisation is going well, and that there are so many women that are doing a tough job. It's a big thing driving a road train, I know, because I've driven one. You in particular, having worked up in the northwest of the country, I haven't even been further north than Port Hedland. I'd love to get up there one day and have a bit of a look. But you've certainly done a few miles, and you've certainly got a few runs on the board. Well, I think it's all as well for my position as CEO to actually have had that experience. And four of the six board members are female road train drivers, and we made sure that we had that experience. That then means that we understand the challenges that these women face. So we're all out there doing the job, and we all understand what's involved, and I think that's important. I think it's very important too. Lindlord, it's been great to have you. I'd like to talk to you for longer, but I can tell that you're going to be uh, struggling with voice later today. You've got your important AGM to deal with. I don't want to take away from that. Thank you, Mike. Well, I'd leave open for you an opportunity anytime. You know how to contact us. If there's anything that you want to get out there, please feel free to give us a ring and we'll get on to it. Thanks so much, Mike, and thanks so much for giving us the opportunity to let your listeners know about Women in Trucking Australia. Entirely my pleasure. Women in Trucking Australia webpage is www.wita.com.au. The phone number is 0429-333-082. And you can send Lyndall an email at ceo at wita.com.au. When it comes to road transport, safety is everything. Seeing Machines Guardian minimises the risk of fatigue and distraction for drivers and provides real-time monitoring centre analysis and appropriate intervention, 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Already trusted by more than 400 of the safest road transport businesses around the world, they've discovered how Seeing Machines Guardian is scientifically proven to reduce fatigue events by more than 90%. To find out more about how Seeing Machines Guardian can provide proven assistance in safeguarding your fleet, 
your valuable cargo and most importantly, your drivers. Visit the website at www.seeingmachines.com or give them a call on 02-6103-4700 for more information. Hi everyone, this is Jane Denham and you're listening to Mike and Andy on the road. I hear that this next song is Mike's favourite song because he is addicted to the diesel.
Hey everybody, Kermie here from Trucking with Kermie. I listen to On the Road podcast on the Australian Big Rigs Road Show. And when that's done, pop over to Trucking with Kermie on Facebook for my take on trucking and the people who make the industry what it is. Catch you over there, and in the meantime, take care of you. We're continuing with part two of the chat Mike had with Lyndon Watson from last week's show. Here's where we left off. The countervailing argument that I've heard put about that particular piece of equipment, the seeing machine, is that we already run an electronic logbook. If you don't run an electronic logbook, you certainly run a paper log. And the argument's always been, well, if you abide by your logbook, you're not going to be fatigued. And so why do we need this? Without putting my point of view on that, I'd like to know what your point of view is on that. Good question. What we've found is that there are many drivers that effectively don't need it, Mm. but they don't need it a majority of the time. But what those drivers that don't need it now know is, one, we never get told of anything, and it just kind of sits there and it just exists. It doesn't actually do anything. Yeah. But what they take comfort in is that the day, it might be when they've got a cold or something like that, or they might have been reasons, they might have money trouble at home or something, or they might have a kid that's sick or kid that's having trouble at school or something like that, and they've been kept up and they're stressing about it and they're stressing about it. And before they know it, they don't realise that they just have a fatigue event. It might be they're coming down into Melbourne and you're going past that, you know, that Seymour region where mm. it just starts to really meander. Yeah, it does. Real yep. gentle curves <laughs> yeah. and you're slowly, you're going downhill so the engine's gone quiet Yeah. and bang. Yep, yep, yep. Before they know it, the thing's buzzed them. Yeah. That's the feedback we've got from those kind of guys in that they don't mind that it's there because they know that it'll only ever bother them when it needed to bother them. Yeah. That's where... While it's expensive, so for us, we're not a big fleet, but we've had to tip in. I think it's around 400 grand over this first three years to roll it out. And not one customer's got to give us any more money. We're getting a little bit of money from the insurance companies, like a slight reduction in fees. And I've really got to call out a good thing where NCI have been a good business and they've been able to see what we've done. And so there's that benefit there, but it is expensive. And it's this expensive tool when you've got, say, some drivers that don't need it all the time. But it's what you'll find is that there'll just be a moment and it might even be like just once a year or something like that. And it probably was just a benign event that no one would ever know about. But one of the incidents that happened, I I can repeat this because no one's going to hear it. One of the incidents that happened. (laughs) No one's going to hear it. (laughs) But I'll keep it anonymous so no one Yeah, no names, no pack drill, mate. We had a, um, a vehicle that was driving, and so we had the cameras, and it came back into the yard one day with some damage to it. Mm-hmm. I've got to keep it. If any of our drivers here, I've got to. So the damage, it looked a bit odd, and the driver said, yeah, look, I just dodged a kangaroo, and I hit a branch. That's mm-hmm. all. It's all yep. fine. I've got to make sure it's going to be fine. He knew that we had video cameras on the trucks. This is before we had the seeing eye stuff. Yeah. And um, we pulled the video on it, and he'd gone to sleep. And if any of the authorities are listening to this, it was all good. (laughs) (laughs) He'd gone to sleep, driven off the road, driven through bushland for about 10, 20 seconds. Big scrub. Awesome. Missing trees. He's asleep the whole time. He'd been asleep for about 10 seconds before going off the road. Awesome. Missing trees. And then the road has magically come back underneath the truck and he's gone back up onto the road. And you see him wake up when he's back onto the road. Look around, yeah. 
And then he actually pulled over, looked at the truck, got back in the truck, get going. No idea that he'd been off the road. Right. Awesome. If our truck had seeing eye technology, one, it was magical that he didn't hit anything. Yeah. But he would have been okay, and the mm. truck would have been fine. And we had a chat to the guy. He actually, after that, he quit driving. Really? He had a partner that was motivated to, wanted him to quit driving. Yeah. And he wasn't getting the sleep at home that he was needing to be getting each day because he was going home each day. Well, that's a worry, isn't it? Yeah, once we showed him the footage, he, he was honest with us, and he goes, look, I think I've got to quit. But it just wasn't his life had moved on from wanting to be a truck driver. Yeah. And it was only this incident that motivated him to move on. But we were there thinking, geez, these bloody seeing eye technologies. We could have done a half a mil worth of gear on that incident. And yeah. God forbid what might have happened to the driver. Yeah. You know, it's not about the money. It's it's we've got to try and we've just got to put this device in because we've got to have all those procedures in place so people don't get fatigued. Mm. But in the event something happens, it's outside of our control, like something in his home life, which this was something in his home life. Yeah. We need a tool there to try and catch it at that last moment. Yeah. And that's what that device is. Yeah. Without putting too fine a point on, I think you're 100% correct. And if you look at what I do for a job now, I cart most Class 8 dangerous goods in bulk form in a tanker. Oh, jeez. There you go. And I think that the general public has a right to expect that every possible piece of technology is being used to make sure that's done as safe as can reasonably possible. Because if I make a mistake, yep. then it is going to end up on the news. Yeah. And if I make a mistake, the potential for environmental problems are pretty large and... Yep. The fumes and, and all that sort of stuff, people can be really hurt. Yep. So it's not an unreasonable thing. And full disclosure, I did say to my boss, I, I sort of had a problem with the camera pointing towards me. Yeah. And I did make the point that this is not something that I feel I need. Yeah. But your story there illustrates the fact that it's true. And if I care to be honest, I've been driving for long enough now, and I'm brave enough to admit like anyone that's driven a lot of kilometres, yeah. uh, I've done a lot of kilometres accident free and without you know, ticket too, but yeah. at the same time, well, I can certainly think back if I care to be honest and say, well, geez, I don't remember that last 20 Ks. Yeah, <laughs> and I think that's a common thought. Mm. That's a common position, and I don't believe that that's something that we should be ashamed of. Yeah. The thing I would suggest, and just to make sure of, and even for other people out there, like drivers out there, it should be that that internal camera, it has to turn off when the vehicle's turned off. Yeah. And I believe it was a, a ruling that Toll went to court over. Okay. And that's how they got it allowed that the, there was this requirement that that internal camera, when the vehicle's turned off, that internal camera turns off. And what I'd say to drivers out there, if you've got any queries, just get that confirmation. And then you know that from time to time, it's a changing room for a driver. Drivers have got to live in there. Well, that's right. That is a requirement that they've got to follow. Lyndon. Thanks for coming on the podcast. For more than 70 years, the name Pearlcraft has been synonymous with handmade pearl and marble finished steering wheels and gear shift knobs. Each and every Pearlcraft product is 100% handcrafted, keeping true to their motto of always work with pride, let quality be your guide. They can transform and enhance your current steering wheel or create a whole new wheel designed to suit your rig. Visit the Pearlcraft website at www.pearlcraft.com.au for more information about the complete range of Pearlcraft products and services. Hi guys, my name's Dan. I listen to On The Road on the Australian Big Rig Roadshow. On The Road News is brought to you by Big Rigs, Australia's national road transport newspaper. Hi Mike, news time again, how are you? I'm pretty good, mate. I'm just loving the day out here. Beautiful day. Great day to be trucking. I just got a message saying you're you're sitting in the wash bay. <laughs> I know you've said before it can be hard to get a shower sometimes, but isn't it getting a little extreme? 
It is, mate, yeah. I've got a couple of fellas crawling all over her at the moment, washing it inside and out, so... The truck, I assume you're referring to there? Yeah, well, I can use a good wash too, mate, but we won't go there, right? <laughs> good, eh? Mate, episode six already, can you believe it? Mate, I can't believe it, episode six. Time flies when you're having fun. Yeah, mate, I'm just proud of what we're doing. Well, mate, that's the feedback I've been getting, which is great. Yeah. It's like we're on the right track, which is a good thing. Well, I think so, yeah. Last episode, I got some love mail, I got some hate mail. It's quite interesting to read sometimes. Good to have a nice balance. It is. All right, let's, as we say, get this show on the road. Indeed. First up, Mike, a Sydney truckie who was facing two expensive logbook breaches has had a win. Mate, he has eye-watering fines for what really was a technical error. Mm. $17,100 fine and four demerit points for each of the two offences. So Jeez. it's just outrageous, I mean, the amount of these fines. He was smart enough to go to court and contest these issues and smart enough to get some good lawyers. Yeah. If you read the story, he was represented by four tree lawyers. Now, I don't normally plug lawyers. I don't like them a lot, but these guys certainly got this fella out of a bit of trouble. Yeah. He had an overlap in his logbook in his 24-hour periods, and they successfully argued the case for him, and that case was dismissed. So off the back of that news story, I'd say it's a good idea that if you do get a fine, probably have a talk to a lawyer that knows what they're talking about in transport, Mm. and maybe you'll do all right. Yeah, absolutely. And made a company and its director have pleaded guilty to a charge relating to the tragic death of a young truckie. $466,000 $466,000 they've been fined after the death of this young bloke. Mm. Now, the court heard that at about 8.35 a.m., the driver was beginning a descent down Red Hill and he had an estimated speed of over 60 kilometres an hour, lost control and crashed his truck and unfortunately lost his life. Mm. There's a whole lot of backstory to this, which I really don't want to go into right now. But the important thing to note about the story is that the chain of responsibility is taking effect. We very, very rarely hear about companies and directors who are being fined for this sort of stuff. And, you know, often hear drivers will talk about what about the chain of responsibility. Well, this is the chain of responsibility in action. Yep. And I recommend that everyone actually go to Big Rigs and read the story in its entirety. Yeah, for sure. Really hate to bring up the subject again, mate, because I know how it gets your hackles up. You got more news on the North Connects issue? Well, they've given us a first look through the tunnel there now on North Connects, and you've got the lovely little video tour and all the rest of it. I just want to highlight it there because, once again, I have said right from the start that the issue isn't about whether you have a tunnel there. It isn't about the amount of the tunnel. It's about being forced to use that piece of infrastructure to the exclusion of other infrastructure that we've legally been allowed to drive on. Yep. So... The question that I would ask, and I've yet to receive an answer for, is where is the saving in safety, money, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, at two o'clock in the morning when I can just drive down Pennandale's Road and it takes 10 minutes to get from one end to the other at that time of the day? Where's the saving? I'll leave it there, mate. Everyone knows how I feel about it. Drives me crazy. Congratulations. Well done. That's the shortest comment you've made on that subject. I've got to learn to let things go, don't I? Yeah, yeah. And mate, one last one for the road, Mike. It looks like the Dane Ballinger Memorial Truck Show has got the green light to go ahead. It does, mate. November the 14th. It's a fair way away yet, but we'll just let everyone know. Now, this has been authorised to go ahead. It's going to take place at the Bathurst Showgrounds. Right. There's 14 acres there that allows for adequate room for social distancing. You've got to give your details when you go in. And there's going to be a small entry fee of $5. There's going to be a custom workshop from Kloss Custom Trucks and the Kloss Brothers are going to be there. 
friends of Dane Ballinger's there. For those who don't know, and I'd be surprised if everyone doesn't know, Dane tragically lost his life in a transport-related accident. Mm. And he had one of the nicest lot of trucks, and he was one of the nicest guys you'd ever care to meet. Mm. And I think it's fitting that we'll get up there and have a bit of a look and have a bit of a nice truck show. It looks like it's going to be the first event. I am going to do my level best to be there, whether I'm there in my big 9-0 or whether I'm there in my ute, we'll see. But I'm going to try and be there for the show so we can get some video and talk about it and put it on the Facebook page. It's going to be great. Yeah, indeed. And a fitting memorial, particularly considering the way this year's gone. Yeah, it is indeed. It's nice to have something happen. And it's not nice why it's happening, but it's nice to have something happen where people can get together and the makeshift of the industry just comes out and the support for the families and things like that. Yeah, it's a good thing. All right, buddy. Well, thank you for that. We'll let you get back on the road and let you, let you get back to your wash. <laughs> and- well, actually, I'm ready to go back on the road. I'm holding the wash bay up now, so I better get my act together. Go and do it, mate. Keep the shiny side up. Thank you. I will. See you, buddy. For all the latest industry news, go to www.bigrigs.com.au. G'day, I'm Yogi from Outback Chuckers, and when I'm on the road, we're always on the road doing stuff out on the road, but when we're on the road, we're listening to the Big Rigs on the Road G'day everyone, Mick here. We're on the road and I'll tell you what, I've been talking to a lot of people. There's a lot of people out there that want to talk to us too. So just to let you know what we're doing and where we're going, I've got some people that are going to come and talk on the show. Well, people are going to talk about how to get a good night's sleep and what it really means to be fatigued and how to assess your fatigue levels. Talk to a nutritionist about eating on the road and what's good to eat. We're going to talk to some insurance guys. We're going to talk to some police officers. We're going to talk to some mental health people. We're going to find out what happens after an accident. Talk about incident planning too, getting ready for when it does go pear-shaped on the road because there's a bit of a philosophy out there that it won't happen to me. Well, unfortunately, it does. I want to talk about having a go bag and, and some things that are ready for you. It's too late to start thinking about everything when it's all going sideways. We need to perhaps have a little bit of forethought. We want to talk about what you want to talk about. All this stuff has been generated by listeners emailing and asking questions. So if you want to talk about something in particular, let us know. We'll get hold of the people to answer the questions. We'll get hold of the resources and tell you how to get hold of the resources. We want to make your life better on the road. Keep it safe out there and we'll see you when we're looking at you. Today I want to touch on a subject that's a little bit dicey, but it's one that's raised its ugly head again in our industry, and I want to talk a little bit about racism. In the last several days, it's come to my attention there have been a number of Facebook pages that have been created, all having a go at a particular transport company and the nationality and the driving skills of a certain group of drivers. Now, first things first, we have always had foreign drivers in this country. They've always been denigrated, and in my opinion, it's always been unacceptable. Now, let's move on from there. There have been a number of high-profile incidents which have caused a significant amount of drama which caused people to have certain opinions about the way things happen. I suppose the one that does readily spring to mind for me 
was the Scots of Mount Gambia B-double being jackknifed in the M5 there, just near the airport tunnel, because these two poor guys that were driving the truck followed their GPS, I'm afraid didn't plan their trip out of town properly, and ended up looking at a low tunnel that they couldn't get their 4.6 metre B-double through. Now, is that their fault? Probably. Is it the company's fault? Probably. But what it's really the fault of is poor training. Now, I am not going to sit here for one moment and tell you that I have never ended up in a place where I didn't want to be in a truck, because I certainly have. And if you've been driving a truck for any length of time, you will, at least if you're honest with yourself, admit that you've ended up on that road that you wish you weren't on. You've ended up on that road that was really narrow. You've got that sick feeling that you might be in the wrong place and this is bad. If you're lucky, it wasn't looking at the airport tunnel in a 4.6 metre B-double at peak hour on a weekday. Because when that happens to you, when you get it that wrong at that time of the day, then yeah, you get on the news. And of course, that's bad for all of us. The problem's not the drivers. The problem is the training. That incident prompted a senior manager at Ron Finnamore Transport, bloke named Paul Pulver, to deliver a bit of an impromptu speech in defence of international drivers at the Livestock Bulk Carriers Association conference, where he said, and I shall quote him, we've, referring to Ron Finnamore Transport, got 60 or 70 of them. They come to work, they come to work on time, they do what they're asked to do to the best of their ability. Our blokes haven't driven underneath any bridges, our blokes have got Australian licences. He also went on to say that none of them have got citizenship in Australia, but the reason they're there is because bloody Australians didn't want to work. That's why they're there. So the situation that we've got is that you can come into Australia from any country, you can be an Australian. You can go to the RMS, present your full heavy rigid licence and get the learner's licence to get a heavy combination or multi-combination licence. You then go to the driver's school and hand over your learner's permit and your license and they'll then sign you up happily, charge you a significant amount of money and do a couple of days training for a heavy combination license or four days training for a multi-combination license, which you'll probably do in an automatic or semi-automatic truck and they'll run you around and they'll teach you how to pass the test and wheel you out the gate. You wander back to the RMS with your signed-off sheet from the driving school. They will dutifully then provide you with your commercial driver's license. Isn't it a wonderful system that you can do that so quickly? It is a system that is full of holes, and there have been a couple of glaring examples of that. One in northern New South Wales, Queensland, I believe, and certainly one I know all about in Western Australia where several hundred drivers got to surrender their licences. Some of them didn't even bother taking the test. Some of them just handed the licences back. It's an indictment on our industry that this sort of thing happens. What does need to happen is we need to get all the associations and the union together and we all need to sing from the same hymn sheet. The first part of being professional is being professionally qualified to do your job. In my opinion, it should be a damn sight harder to get a multi-combination license than it is now. And then you should have to go through a number of steps each year to keep it. Now, I know some of you aren't going to like what I'm saying, but the fact of the matter is we expect people to maintain currency with their qualifications. 
I'm not saying that you should have to take a day off work and go and do this for free. But if you want to be a commercial driver, then you should at least have to go and have a, a medical every year. I know that if you're over 50 in New South Wales, you have to have one. If you've got any sort of a medical condition that could affect your driving, then you should have to have a medical. I know that in New South Wales that, that is the case. If you've got a drug addiction, then I'm sorry, you shouldn't be driving. You shouldn't be driving if you're on methadone. You shouldn't be driving if you're doing any of those things. Now, we can all cite cases where drivers have been drug affected and crashed their trucks and done the wrong thing, and they should lose their commercial license never to drive again. And I don't think I'd get an argument out of anyone on that. The problem with it is it's too easy to get the license, and once you've got the license, it's too easy to keep it. Once you lose your commercial license, then there should be difficulty for you to get it back. And I make no apology for that. It's not that hard these days to keep your nose clean. It really isn't. All I can say is that there is no place for racism in your industry. I definitely do not support the things that have been happening on Facebook by any stretch of the imagination. And I think that these things should be roundly condemned by all of us. But what also should be roundly condemned is the licensing system and the training system. It does need to be reviewed. The associations and the union do need to start singing out of the same hymn book. And we need to make sure that this happens. And that's about all I've got to say about that. Time to put the show to bed for another week, guys. Thanks for listening. We really do appreciate the support and encouragement you're giving us. It makes all the hard work worthwhile. Our show is brought to you by Seeing Machines, the most advanced safety technology available for commercial truck fleets. Please visit our website at www.ontheroadpodcast.com.au for all the latest news, views and information. You can meet our friends and sponsors and get to know them while you're there. The website address again, www.ontheroadpodcast.com.au Wanted to drop us a line to share your thoughts and suggestions? Then send us an email to mike at ontheroadpodcast.com.au Be sure to join us again next Friday for more great news, views and entertainment. Until then, play nice with each other and most of all, stay safe out there on the road. Bye for now. The team here at On The Road are great believers in the right to freedom of speech, and whilst we might not always be 100% in agreement with the views of guests and contributors, we firmly support their right to hold and express those opinions.